Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Quorum, founder of AIM-7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. If you're familiar with the world of bodybuilding, you know Ben Pakulski. He's a former top 10 finisher in the prestigious Arnold Schwarzenegger Classic for six consecutive years, placing second in 2013. And from 2012 to 2016, he competed in the elite Mr. Olympia contest. Today, Ben's focus has shifted to helping others achieve their best bodies through his muscle intelligence brand. His cutting edge programs have transformed the lives of millions of his students, coaches, and trainers, enabling them to thrive in their coaching businesses and their body transformations. In this episode, we explore the critical role of intentionality. We discuss why exercise quality matters in achieving optimal health and performance. Ben stresses the importance of mastering our bodies and gaining a deep understanding of how they move, feel, and function. We also discuss the hot topic of hypertrophy and how to optimize your training for muscle growth. I really enjoyed this conversation with Ben, and I'm looking forward to having him back on the show as he is full of sage wisdom when it comes to health and human performance. So let's get right to my conversation with Ben. So let's lean in and learn from the best. Ben, it's a pleasure to have you on the blueprint today. Really excited to talk to you because you have done things that most of us would would dream of from a from a body composition from a physical you know morphological change perspective like you've you've done some amazing things and you've been across the spectrum over your life and so you've helped thousands of people change their bodies you've competed at a world class level in bodybuilding what are your training principles like what goes into a great exercise training program uh, Eric, first, thank you. Um, yeah, I think the thing that makes me maybe different than a lot of guys is bodybuilding didn't come naturally to me. It wasn't something that was easy. You know, I have this strange tendency to choose things that I'm really bad at and want to pursue them. <laughs> hmm. um, I really had a, I, I had a hard time building muscle. I was an obese kid. Um, I remember being 15 years old and being like the weak guy, right? I remember being the weak guy amongst my my peers and celebrating curling the 12 pound dumbbells at 15 years old. And all my buddies are doing the 25s, and I was like. I can't do it, but I was also very stubborn and very persistent and very blessed along the way, as you know, to have many great mentors and, and people to guide me. And, um, you know, I stand on the shoulder of giants, man. I just think that, um, you know, when you start to understand uh, principles and concepts, you realize that anything is possible if you're willing to do the work. And so mm. I guess to answer your, your questions, um, you know, boiling it down, distilling it down to maybe what's made the biggest impact to me and what big, makes the biggest impact to the people I work with. Um, obviously it depends on where you are, right? It depends on where you are in the journey, what your targets are, how far you want to go, right? Because, you know, some people might want to just get a, get a slight transformation, a little bit of muscle building. You may not have to change a lot. Maybe just a little bit of hard work will be what you need, right? But when it comes to the way I approach it, it's like I'm trying to be the best I can be within the context of circumstance, within the context of genetics. Um, so I want to push, I want to push my uh, envelope physically. I want to push the envelope mentally. So the way I um, approach it with most people is I want to lay a strong foundation. As you know, like uh, if I want to train an Olympic athlete to be a gold, gold medal winning athlete, I need that, that athlete's movements to be as close to pristine and impeccable as possible. And so I think there's a massive opportunity that exists uh, with everyone to, you know, most people think that if they want to transform their body, they want to build muscle, effort is the big lever. And while effort is an incredible, important lever, lever, 
exercise quality, I think is often a bigger opportunity for most people because it's never something that anyone thinks about. Everyone goes, yeah, you know, if you ask anyone how well they train, the response is inevitably, yeah, I'm pretty good. And you're like, and then you watch them, you're like, no, you're not. Like, what, what, what makes you think you're good? What tells you, like, I think it's just the, the cognitive dissonance, right? They're like, well, good compared to what? And so mm-hmm. this opportunity to um, kind of master your body is just a massive one. And, and even if your goal isn't to quote unquote master your body, I think your goal should be to master your body. We only get one and you have this incredible opportunity to connect deeply, to be closer to your body, understand what your body does, the way it feels, the way it moves. Uh, so that as we age, we're able to sustain a high quality of life. And if you think about longevity in terms of like, what do I want to be when I'm 90? I can tell you anyone, uh, your, your target should be quality of movement, right? Vitality is directly correlated with quality of movement. So if we learn that skill set now, whatever age you're at, you're, it's like playing an instrument, right? You see the guitar over my shoulder, like playing an instrument. Once you got it, you got it. You're not going to forget it. You're going to get better and better and better over time. Whereas if you don't ever pick it up and you don't ever learn it, you're never going to learn. You're going to keep getting worse, right? Because you learn, you lose your ability to coordinate. As we age, we lose our ability to build muscle, to lose fat. It gets harder unless we're, we're actually building that skill. And so that's really kind of the long and short of uh, how I approach it. And you know, I guess I didn't really answer your question, but- I want to double click though really quick. Yeah, yeah exercise quality. So if, if vitality is related to quality of movement as you age, right? Like I can move, I can bend, I can pick my kids up, whatever in your later years is exercise quality, the quality of movement that leads to the qual, like the quality of exercise that leads to the quality of long-term movement. Like what is that exactly? Meaning how do I define quality movement? Yeah, I know. How do you define quality exercise quality? Yeah. So I think freedom, right? Freedom to do what you want to do when you want to do it within the context of your body. And so Mm -hmm. the way I frame it for the guys I work with is as an athlete or said differently, as as someone aspiring to build muscle, Mm -hmm. we spend a lot of time creating rigidity, right? We're, we're, you know, gravity is, is compressing us and we're creating these, we're creating rigidity just by standing. Um, We're doing, you know, resistance training, which is, which is creating the skill of creating rigidity within our muscles. Um, and that's one side of the continuum, but the other side of the continuum is creating fluidity, right? Mm. So quality movement in my perspective is the ability to dynamically create a rigid state as rigid as you need to be. If I want to squat 200 pounds versus 400 pounds versus 600 pounds, that's a different degree of rigidity. And on the other end of it, I want to be able to move freely and without restriction. So I call that fluidity, right? Mm. So any movement in, in, in that a human can participate in is a dynamic dance between rigidity and fluidity. So if I want to box, if I want to dance, if I want to play any sport, I have to learn to create rigidity when I need it and fluidity when I need it other times. And we really want, we want to train both of those. And, you know, fluidity is, is, I guess, my version of mobility, right? It's like I need to be able to access all ranges that my body needs to get into without discomfort and be able to not only be rigid in that position, but be able to go there and be dynamic in my ability to, to move through it. And so I don't know if that answers your question, but I think... No, it does. It totally does. I think that's a beautiful way of summarizing is that you have to be able to create stiffness or rigidity to do certain things. You want to punch somebody, right? If you're in a combat or sport, you have to be able to create rigidity so your shoulder doesn't go out the backside. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you want to play football, you got to brace, but then you also have to be able to bend and move. 
So in the training process itself, the exercise process, like where do you spend your time? What, what does that look like ideally? Yeah. So, I mean, basic assessments, right? Let's, let's see what you do in these, you know, maybe eight movements and see how your body bends and, and presses and pulls and, and all the basic stuff. And, and then we start, we start dissecting it, right? Where are you able to create high amounts of rigidity and where are you not able to create high amounts of rigidity? And the objective is if we take every joint in our body, at least every, you know, joint of, of, you know, I call them, um, aesthetic, aesthetic muscles, like the muscles of, of bodybuilding, we take all of our primary joints through the entire excursion. It's able to, to go through. Can I create rigidity at every aspect and can I create a relative even rigidity? Like it's, it's obviously never going to be equal, but I want to be able to create uh, an appropriate amount of rigidity in every aspect of the range. And can I flow through that range without rigidity if I need to? So that's really how I start kind of dissecting through starting. It's like, what am I capable of doing right now? So what am I good at? And what am I not good at, right? So many so many people go to the gym and they say, well, I'm really good at these things, therefore I'm gonna do more of them. Or I'm very comfortable doing these things, I'm gonna do more of them. And in reality, as you know, Eric, we should take an opposite approach in many instances. We should go, well, what, what are my deficiencies? And uh, what am I, what am I really not good at? What am I trying to avoid at all costs and, and move toward that? I think that framing has served me very well in life in all areas. Mm. And uh, just like looking at your body objectively and saying, well, what am I, what am I avoiding or what am I not good at? Where are my weaknesses? Will allow you to, to advance uh, further forward than most people otherwise would. Results. Results matter. And in mid-February, we launched the AIM7 app and people are getting results. In just the first 30 days, the average member is experiencing a 23% increase in motivation, a 20% increase in mood, 17% improvement in sleep quality, 16% more energy, and a 10% reduction in stress. Look, there's not a supplement or a pill on the planet that can do all that. If you are ready to turn your smartwatch data into actionable recommendations that improve your physical and mental fitness, then join the next AIM7 beta cohort. You'll get four Zoom calls with my team to learn about building adaptive capacity, sleep, mental fitness, and so much more. Everyone starts for free, so sign up now. The link is in the show notes. Now back to my conversation with Ben. You work with a lot of different people. Do you do online clients as well? Yeah, we do. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're capturing people probably all over the globe. Yep. What are some of the common things that you see that people are ignoring that they should be focusing on? Or you're seeing these common red, like, Hey, I'm seeing this consistently over time. And these are things that people need to address. Uh, gosh, where, where to begin, right? The, the list is endless. <laughs> well, it is, right? So people, you know, people are good at the things they're good at. And that's often like, I'm really good at a bench press and I'm really good at a bicep curl and the things that are the show muscles and everyone likes to do. And, you know, most, the, the thing that I would suggest everyone should address that if in this, this like is very popular right now, but it's, it, this isn't a fad. This is like popular because it's important is, is breathing. So, mm. um, you know, everyone is not everyone, many people are neglecting the, the biomechanics and the function of breathing. So most people are thinking about like, I'm going to go do a breathwork class and they're worried about the physiological, they're, they're not worried about their, they're paying attention to the physiological or biochemical influence of breath. But from a movement perspective, the biomechanics of breath is massive, as you know. Mm. And like, if I can't breathe effectively, the intercostal muscles become constricted, they become atrophied, the muscles of, of, around the spine become constricted, the spine can't move as well. So anyone who's got back pain, shoulder pain, hip pain, the first place we start inevitably is with the spine, how the spine moves is influenced, in my opinion, most by how we breathe. So I want to directly go after, well, can we create an expansive breath cycle? So you're getting full inhalation, full exhalation cycles to allow the body to move more freely through the spine 
spine. And I find if we do that alone, people's shoulder pain and hip pain starts to alleviate, their back pain starts to alleviate. So going through all the ranges around the spine, you know, flexion, extension, side bend, uh, rotation, everything starts with effective breathing patterns. That is so interesting that that would be the, the thing that you would point out. What do you think is leading to all these problems? Too much sitting, right? Well, lack of movement, too much sitting. So your, your breathing excursion, if you think of a balloon, you know, the lungs being a balloon, and, and you're only breathing through a really small excursion all the time, the muscles around the intercostals, around the whole thorax become constricted. They become atrophied because they're just not being used. They're like, oh, I'm good. Mm. Uh, you, know, you know, the body wants to conserve energy. So it just starts constricting these muscles and saying, well, I don't use them anymore. And that, that starts to lead to limited motion through the spine, which leads to obviously back injuries, but maybe more commonly shoulder injuries and hip injuries that people don't necessarily correlate with lack of spinal movement. So if we can restore the, the deeper excursion by you doing intentional breathing, doing more intense exercise, right? Like doing some high intensity cardio that's requiring you to use all lobes of your lungs to, to respire, uh, I think that would lead to just a massive shift in your ability to move your body. That's so interesting. This is such an interesting point to bring up because, I mean, bias is like, look at this guy who's amazing bodybuilder, hypertrophy, hypertrophy, hypertrophy. And you're going back to the fundamental things mm. that are driving living and moving our breath. If you could go back to your bodybuilding career, what would you change? Did you incorporate this type of stuff? Toward the end, I did. So, oh. yeah, I was kind of at the peak of my bodybuilding career in 2012. Mm. And I also had my first child in 2012. So my priorities really shifted. You know, when you, you get it, when you're in it as an athlete, it's very hard to see the, the outside of the label from inside the jar, you know? So I, I, <laughs> I knew I was aware of these things, but I, and I see this now when you're going full speed and you have so much pressure on, on your performance every single day, it's very hard to be willing to take in an outside perspective and be like, Hey, mm. I'm going to add this in. Cause I'm so attached to the outcome of every day. Every day has to be a world-class workout. Otherwise I feel like a failure. So I was very resistant to bringing new modalities in. And then once I had my child or my children, I became a little bit more open-minded to, to seeing what else was out there because it was less uh, about the outcome at this point. It was more about the process. So, um, the answer is at, at sometimes I did and sometimes I didn't, I wish I had done more for sure. So I guess to answer the question, like what I wish I'd done more of for sure, learning to control my state of arousal. Right. So mm -hmm. I was all about gas pedal, man. I was, I was, I had a very big gas pedal and I just want to go harder and faster and, and, and I want to destroy everyone. And that, as you know, isn't always a good, uh, way to live in many ways, uh, you know, socially and physically. <laughs> So yeah, I wish, I wish somebody had, and I did, I, I, it was like in the background, it was like, you know, that little BP keeping in the background, like, Hey, pay attention to me. Um, you know, as early as 2007, I started meditation. I started like doing some things that were, that were, um, interventions to control my, uh, my state of arousal. Mm. Um, but gosh, if somebody had told me it, the simple thing that I, that I hope everyone realizes is exercise is not the end result, right? Exercise is simply creating a stimulus, creating a signal. And most people think that if I exercise, I'm doing something good for myself. And while you are, in some senses, the goal of exercise is actually to create the adaptation. And I didn't, I didn't think about that, right? So the goal, if I go to the gym today and I don't eat afterwards and I don't sleep afterwards, the workout is, is literally a complete waste of time, in my opinion, right? I, you could argue that, oh, maybe there's some value. I'd argue probably not. And so the goal of the exercise is to create the adaptation. So if I don't become aware of external stimulus that is exercise creates an internal response in my body that I then need to match with an ability to adapt to that internal response. The exercise was a waste of time. Nobody ever taught me that. So I need to balance out 
well, first understanding what type of signal this exercise is creating in my body. Cause a set of three is very different than a set of 10, which is very different than 30 seconds rest and 60 seconds rest and five minutes rest. All those are different signals in my body. And then therefore requiring a different subset of adaptation to actually receive the result. So, yeah. No, I mean, that's, it's apply the right stimulus. You create the, the appropriate environment for adaptation. So growth is stress plus rest, right? And mm -hmm. then you can grow. If you're just stressing all the time, you can actually just get worse. Mm -hmm. I'm interested from a just a personal perspective, and I think a lot of people that will be listening, you know, from people that are novices to have a longer exercise history, muscle hypertrophy is important or really muscle strength, you know, muscle mass as we age to prevent sarcopenia and then also muscle strength. Like what are, are there like magic sets? I mean, like I've you see in the literature, like, Hey, once you're trained for a while, you know, 10 plus working sets per week per muscle group. I'm just interested. There's one thing about like seeing it in the literature. I've trained a lot of athletes, but when I'm training athletes, the goal was not always muscle hypertrophy. Right. As a matter of fact, Francis hallway, who you and I both had on the show, know that that can actually be really bad if you hypertrophy too much. Yep. But the average human being on this planet does not have a muscle hypertrophy problem. Mm -hmm. If anything, they they need to put on some muscle. Uh, what have you found to be kind of the recipe for somebody that's maybe just an uh, you know average gym going going maybe a couple times a week, but they really need to stimulate some hypertrophy? Yeah, it's a great question, right? And I've explored it a lot. And so the research will tell you that five to six sets is the minimum for maintenance. I, I can't, I can't buy that though. I can't wrap my head around the fact that I could say five to six sets is the minimum for maintenance because, um, everyone's so different, like cortisol to testosterone ratios will completely influence that. So, uh, body fat obviously would influence that calories would influence that. The fact that, you know, data says that five to six sets is the, is the bottom end for maintenance. It's hard for me to wrap my head around. As far as progress, I like to say 12 sets per week is uh, per body part is, is progress and that sounds like a lot, but it also depends on the quality of movement, right? So if if someone is highly capable, right, and, the, and their ability to connect with their muscles is, is tremendous, their ability to be focused into their muscle is tremendous. And really, what that means is, can you can you maintain stability within your body using a higher percentage of of load, or is it going to be flinging weights from point A to point B, which is basically like throwing it up in the air? And that's so much variability within that. So the amount of volume is very very hard to pin down. But I would say in general, for, for most people, like an average listener, 10 to 12 sets a week per body part is a good uh, round number. So th this brings up two really interesting things. One is per body part, right? So like if you do bench press, now you're looking at the chest, you're looking at the the front deltoids, you're also looking at the triceps, right? Mm. So would you count that for triceps and then come back and be like, now I need to top <laughs> off the tank with X amount of like maybe isolated movements for the triceps? Yeah. So if I was an average person, I would count those. And, and and if I was an advanced person, I would say, well, how can I do this in a way that maximizes the stimulus to my chest? And how, how can I do this in a way that maximizes the stimulus to my triceps? And those may be completely different things, right? Mm -hmm. If I just manipulate the relative position of the load relative to my body, it completely changes the stimulus. So an advanced person, you go, yeah, that's probably not going to count toward my 12 sets for all of them. Uh, a more beginner person, I say, yes, definitely. Hmm. You mentioned connecting the mind with the body. So this mind muscle connectivity, is that a bunch of hocus pocus or is that real? Is it really doing something for you? Yeah. Do you meditate? A hundred percent. Yeah. So when I meditate, 
my, and, I, and I've realized recently that not everyone meditates the same way as me. Who would have thought, right? Yeah. When, I, when I meditate, I bring my awareness inside my body and I bring my awareness onto my, my experience in that moment, right? My body's mm-hmm. experiencing the world through my five senses. And so I'm bringing my awareness into everything that I'm experiencing sensationally in that moment. So what do I feel? What do I hear? You know, all, all, the, all the senses. And exercise can be very similar. And the deeper you can learn to connect with what you're experiencing in that moment, the deeper you can connect with changing it. So mm-hmm. as an example, if I go to the bottom of a lunge, say I prescribe 20, a set of 20 lunges, and we're just kind of hopping along, like just boom, 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 no, no intention with what I'm doing. The amount of work is distributed through whatever muscles is able to do based on your mechanics, based on your, your proportions. If I become aware of how I'm distributing that load and I say, okay, I'm going to go to the bottom and I'm slowly going to decelerate myself and I'm going to stop and going to just acknowledge where is this, where is this weight, where is this resistance being distributed, this tension being distributed in my body? I would say pay attention to the tension. And so where is it being distributed? Am I, am I putting it through my quad or is it going through my knee or is it going through my glute or is it going through my hip or my lower back? Mm. And now I can learn to like curate where it's going. I can curate where the resistance or where the tension is being distributed. And so if I want to specifically advantage one muscle or another, I can curate that, right? Now, this mm-hmm. is really hypertrophy focus type training. As an athlete, you're like, I just need to go faster, right? There's, there's certainly a place for, for this type of training as an athlete, but I think yeah, it's yeah. probably a percentage, a smaller percentage of the, of the whole. But when it comes to hypertrophy, like if I want to teach someone to develop their glutes, I need them provided, you know, let's say some people have a genetic advantage to build all the body parts or some specific ones. Great. Go ahead and do what you do. But if you're like, yeah, I'd like to build my glutes and I haven't been able to do that before. I'd like to build my pecs and I haven't been able to do that before. I need to know that this resistance is in the right position relative to my body to put tension in the right place. So the first thing you got to do is go, well, you tell me, like, I don't know. I can't feel what's happening inside your body. Do you feel a stretch? Do you feel a contraction? Do you feel tension through the entire range? So does the mind-muscle connection matter? Absolutely, when it comes to building muscle. But it's not some like esoteric thing, like I'm just going to close my mind and like feel my bicep getting bigger. Like, I don't think I believe that. Maybe, maybe I do believe that stuff. But really, it's just like, can I, can I uh, instantaneously direct the tension where I want it to go based on what I'm trying to achieve? Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And if you have not hit that subscribe button, make sure you do that because we've got an amazing lineup to start your summer. We've got amazing experts in fitness, mental performance, some leading researchers on intermittent fasting and other subjects that I've heard that you've told me that you want to hear more about. So we're bringing it right to you. So hit that subscribe button and I'll catch you on the next episode.